Microsoft's got a new cloud PC. You can get a duo with Verizon and all the gaming reviews of the new consoles. Well, we've rounded them up. Today's podcast is sponsored by Devolutions, helping IT pros all around the globe maintain productivity and security with Remote Desktop Manager. Happy Friday, friends. It is a Friday to remember because next week there's going to be a bunch of new hardware hitting the shelves, uh, including consoles and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but this week there's been a lot of interesting news as well. We've got uh, Microsoft has a new like cloud PC, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, next generation consoles are launching on Tuesday and beyond next week. Uh, there's been reviews. There's been just a lot to talk about. And let's just dive in, shall we? So Microsoft started working on this thing called a quote-unquote cloud PC, which sort of, honestly, feels like an evolution of their Windows virtual desktop. Because one of the things that is happening right now is with everybody going home, one of Microsoft's solutions that they are pitching to everybody is saying, hey, look, they can go use their current desktop or whatever and just use a Windows virtual desktop. And then you can go about and use your productivity apps and everything else. And of course, Microsoft makes a nice little bit of coin from that. Um, but they're evolving that with what we think is going to be called cloud PC. And effectively, what this is, is it's a really user-friendly way to just go log into a quote-unquote PC in the cloud. And Walking Cat, as he has done many times, has uncovered a bunch of different type of like SKUs that they're going to be offering, including medium, heavy, and advanced. So with these you know, quote unquote, cloud PCs, uh, medium would be two virtual CPUs, four gigs of RAM, 96 gigs of storage, heavy would be two virtual CPUs, eight gigs of RAM, 96 gigs of storage, and then advanced uh, would be three virtual CPUs, eight gigs of RAM and some storage to go with that. Now, the things to keep in mind here is that these are supposed to be really elastic, meaning that, hey, depending on the type of workload, you should be able to kind of jump between uh, your configuration. And because it's in the cloud, it's just a couple clicks of a button. Um, this feels like a more much like closer to like an end user product than say like an IT pro product. Of course, obviously the IT side will have to administer all this stuff, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. We don't know all the details yet and how exactly Microsoft is going to pitch this other than that it will more than likely be included in uh, Microsoft 365. That's almost a given and probably some sort of like per user uh, licensing fee. Microsoft might be launching this soon because they're definitely building up the website and the assets. But that being said, we don't know what the back end plumbing is like, but I don't know why you build the front out if the back end isn't complete. So assuming that the back end is nearly complete, we should be learning about this soon. And the, the timing is right for Microsoft to kick this out the door. Realistically, I'm sure they would have loved to get it out earlier in the year, but getting this product up and running appears to be a very big deal and a very big push for Microsoft. On the team side, uh, there was a bit of hope and then dismay uh, happened because on the Microsoft roadmap or Microsoft 365 roadmap, they talked about tenant switching. And it seemed like, hey, finally, you're going to be able to take your team's tenant and be able to log into other tenants very easily just with fast user switching. But that's not what it appears to be. Um, it appears to be that you're going to be able to switch accounts, but to a personal account, not another tenant, which is... Um, you know, like air coming out of the balloon deflating noise uh, is what I would insert there if I had it wired up um, to my stream deck. And so, yeah, that looked good, but it's not going to be happening. Uh, uh, things that are looking better, though, on the team side is that there is going to be a public preview program that is coming very, very soon. And this is just policy oriented, meaning you can go into your team's tenant, say, hey, I want to be part of the preview program. And then on a per user basis, you can allow individual users such as yourself to get new features faster. Right now, the best way to do that would be in like the technical uh, adoption program, TAP, as it's often called. And there's some other minor programs as well. But you got to be invited into that stuff and getting into those can be quite a challenge. And so if you really want to be 
be on the bleeding edge of teams and you don't have the, the breadth or capacity to be a tap user, um, this is going to be your best bet. So be on the lookout for the public uh, preview program. Should be launching here very, very soon. And that is going to be good stuff. Also, if you've been holding off on getting a Surface Duo because you're not able to get it at Verizon, I believe you can now do so. At least that is what my inbox tells me is that that is a potential thing here. So as I mentioned, Devolutions is sponsoring this. Actually, I've known De Max over at Devolutions for a very long time. Um, good friend. Uh, he actually beat me in an electrical and uh, a car race um, at Ignite. And they are sponsoring the podcast actually for this month and a couple other months throughout the year. So here is a quick video from those fine folks. Desktop Manager helps you centralize, manage, and secure access to remote connections, tools, and passwords on a single platform. Streamline your daily workflow with powerful automation tools and securely launch remote sessions without even seeing the credentials. No more pesky sticky notes with passwords on them. If that's your cup of tea, you can find links down below and uh, go jump on over and check that out. Definitely worthwhile. Um, Devolutions are good folks. They're very, very good folks. So on to the gaming news of the week. There's been a lot, mostly just given the time of the year and the cycle that we're at because the next generation consoles are launching this, well, not this week, in less than a week for most people. And so most people, meaning in the U.S. or, or various countries throughout the world. So um, the, the Xbox Series X and S reviews came out and the PlayStation 5 reviews are all coming out. And it's kind of why I've waited to do this for now. And so here is the super high level review roundup for both of them, right? Both consoles are wicked fast compared to what we have today, including the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Series or Xbox One X, much, much faster. They both run very cool. There were a lot of rumors out there saying you could fry an egg on the top of an Xbox Series X that completely is unfounded. And every single review has said that all consoles are cool and quiet, which is very, very good. Specifically uh, on the Xbox side, they're so fast that when you boot the Xbox Series X, it actually is on up and running before the HDMI signal fully like uh, does the handshake between the console and the TV. It is that fast. It is remarkably fast and something that is going to be a huge win for a lot of people who just like to pop on, play a couple games and, you know, it just removes that lag time. Um, most reviews, and I tend to agree with this and we've talked about it many times, is that the Series S is where most people are going to end up. It's just, it's a couple hundred bucks cheaper. It hits all the marks, um, especially for parents who are just buying a next-gen console and want the cheapest, you know, cheapest device. It's not a slouch by any means because um, it can still, you know, play 4K games, although it's optimized effectively for 1080p um, series s appears to be like the winner from the the volume perspective although i fully expect at launch series x will sell it more because the you know the, the enthusiasts are buying that up and then the series s will probably win out over the long term um, universally across the board that says hey it's lacking killer games at launch that's been a big known for a while especially since halo slipped uh, in its timeline and so overall like the the reviews of the xbox are very positive it's very fast very cool very quiet uh it's a good generational leap. Um, you don't get some of that wow factor when you boot up, not from the speed wise, but because it looks exactly like your Xbox One X, which I personally don't think is a bad thing. The, the UI has evolved and continue evolved. It wasn't like it was a static piece uh, of interface. Microsoft updated it many, many, many times uh, throughout the life cycle of the uh, Xbox One family or life cycle, I should say. And so that's sort of a, a downer, if you will. And obviously the price can be a little bit of a downer too when you don't have big games. Game Pass is going to be the big winner. Uh, from the Microsoft side that everybody universally agreed that Game Pass is the best value 
value in gaming and when you compare when you or when you bundle game pass with the series s it is a phenomenal gaming value the challenge is, is that you can really only play kind of current or last generation games there's no next generation games quite yet uh, but we all know those are coming but they're not available on day one on the ps5 side again fast and quiet is sort of universally uh, agreed upon across the board uh, the haptics in the controller are apparently are super neat um, there's Astro's Playroom, which takes full advantage of all the different haptics uh, abilities, trigger tensions, and everything else. And it does look super interesting. The massive um, unknown at this point is if developers are actually going to take advantage of this functionality in a way that makes sense throughout the life cycle of the console. You got to remember that uh, games that are going to be on both, both platforms, meaning uh, Xbox and PlayStation, are probably less likely to take advantage because there's no there's no gain uh, in doing that on the Xbox side. Although Xbox has some features that are sort of similar, at least they did, but again, they were never really universally adopted. Um, Spider-Man actually, which is a launch title for the PlayStation 5, makes use of some of the functionality, but a lot of the reviews were saying it's not like it's not nearly as good as Astro's Playroom, and it felt more like an afterthought rather than being sort of like natively baked into uh, the game. And obviously, the PlayStation does have more uh, next-generation games at launch, which is going to give it an advantage there. And it's a big console. It's a big console. But the thing is, at the end of the day, the end of the day, it really it really feels like both consoles are just really good and that everybody who buys a PlayStation is going to be happy. Everybody who buys an Xbox is going to be happy. And that's, I think, the best way uh, it, it shakes out at the end because the load times are so much faster uh, across the board. Although I will say that some early testing showed that load times were were faster on the Xbox Series X. Um, not by, you know, we're not talking minutes, we're talking seconds here. So we, and that's not all that surprising. The Xbox Series X is a faster or more powerful console. But the reason why I point that out specifically is that so much was made about the PlayStation 5 solid state storage being this custom unique thing that uh, that it was going to give an advantage and make load times faster than on the Xbox. And that rumor does not appear to be founded in, at least in the pre-patched games. Um, as of right now, the information I've seen is not appearing to be true. Speaking of storage, I think that's going to be the biggest kind of concern for the next generation consoles on both sides. Because if you look at the Series S, you don't have a ton of storage. You're realistically getting only a couple games before you have to go out and spend another a couple hundred bucks, about 200 bucks or so, uh, to get that expansion drive the other thing on the playstation side is that there are the, the third party uh drives that sony made uh noise about saying hey you can go buy these things to expand your storage aren't available yet so you have to sit there and wait for those drives to get certified and while i would assume that they should be pretty close to the, what their their retail pricing is because you could imagine that maybe Sony might charge a little premium to put a little logo on there that says certified to work with the PlayStation 5 and artificially boost that pricing up. But we don't know yet. We don't know yet in that that might not be a good assumption to make, but typically companies in the business are making money, and if they're going to license that stuff and make their drives more desirable, they're going to make them pay a little bit more money. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm looking forward to my Xbox Series X arriving next week, and we will see how everything plays out. I fully expect, though, I mean, holistically, that PlayStation will sell more consoles uh, than the Xbox over the life cycle. But again, for the 50 millionth time, as long as it's better than a 2 to 1 ratio like it was for the last generation, then Microsoft is coming out ahead. So. We will see um, how all that plays out, and so it's looking pretty good. Uh, one thing that is uh, worth pointing out is that uh, Razer did launch new headsets for the, the next generation Xbox, uh, one that does have Bluetooth and one that does not, and so they look super interesting. I think 
realistically if you're looking to buy a headset and you need one like today then your choices are a little bit more limited but i think if you can wait until around like january or so and you can kind of make do with the current headset that you have you might have a few more options out there i'm really curious to see how that bno one uh comes out uh, which should be uh, near the end of the year or early next year if i remember correctly so also amd launched their new or uh, their 5000 series desktop cpus and they look pretty dang good so if you're going to be building a pc of a high-end caliber you might be looking there instead of intel which is a huge win for amd because they're launching consoles this week they've got some brand new uh chips that came out that are super high-end and so it's a good time to be a gamer uh no matter what platform you play on and so there you go we are going to dive into the questions of the week which is always my favorite part and i always thank everybody for coming to hang out so an old amigo user says uh regarding the cloud pc uh, does do the specs look a little light, especially the medium one? I have a dual core machine with four gigs and it is basically unusable. So this is an interesting question that came up multiple times is that um, the, the cloud PC offerings that I talked about at the top of the podcast, they do look a little light. Now, what we don't know yet is because these are running in Azure and you, we don't know how optimized these cloud PCs are, right? They, in theory, they should run better than say like a laptop that has to run the whole environment. I'm assuming, I mean, I'd be, completely shocked if these things are not running in a VM, which should provide a little bit better uh, functionality. And you got to remember, we don't know what they're charging for these things. If they're charging like five bucks a month for one of these cloud PCs, that's a really good offering for what they are doing. And I bet that they're targeting sort of that thin client scenario where people are just logging in with productivity apps, even though some of their descriptions are a little interesting, like the advanced one was talking more about data intensive processing, um, which I, I struggle with some of their, their specs there because for example, um, my PC upstairs is a 10 core setup. And um, you know that's probably right on the edge of where I would do a lot of video rendering or I, Blender would be really tough on their advanced. Although they do, they do say data crunching, which I'm hoping they're not meaning Excel, um, but we will see. Like, I, I think it's too early to dive too deep into those specs because everything is still very fluid, but I do tend to agree with you, uh, an Amiga user, that they do feel a little bit light, but we have to wait and see what the whole package and pricing looks like for that matter. Uh, Dark Clown says, on a scale of one to one billion, how jealous are you that Paul has two new Xboxes? I'm very jealous. Uh, so Paul is uh, my co cohort, co-worker over on First Run Daily and on Therat.com, and he got the review units. Not to me, and it, it, it hurts. No, it doesn't. It's good. I'm glad that he got them. Uh, Sydney2K says, uh, I hope I'm not too late. You are not too late. I've been watching a couple videos looking at Microsoft as a company and how it has grown to be one of the biggest tech firms in the world. Things like Azure and Office 365. Now with the launch of the Xbox Series consoles next week and Game Pass, an integral part of that launch, it had me thinking if Game Pass is stereotyped as the Netflix of games, when a better analogy would be the Office 365 of games um so here's the thing here microsoft looks at game pass as while it is sustainable according to phil spencer microsoft looks at game pass as the horizon bet for the xbox family because you can imagine that how that gaming environment evolves it is the long-tailed future for Xbox. And so uh, the fact that it is already doing exceptionally well right now is why I think we're going to see Microsoft invest more dollars and is more than likely, I'm willing to bet the reason why Microsoft is spending so much money on Bethesda is because they see that, hey, the early indications for Game Pass are that this is a model that is sustainable for Xbox for the long term. And despite whatever happens with console sales, Game Pass can live on as its own, as its own software as a service, which is what Microsoft wants. And it gives them a very valuable avenue into the entertainment 
market. You got to remember right now that these game streaming services, you know, cloud gaming, Luna, uh, Twitch, I mean, to some capacity, it's still in its infancy, right? There's no clear or decisive winner, and there's not really even a clear, decisive top five, top three, right? And so Microsoft is in is trying to position itself so that as that market it continues to solidify and gets more mature, that they find themselves at the top. And so that is a really big deal. It's a really big deal um, for everything that is going on. And so I, I know I talk about it in terms of value, but you also got to look at Game Pass as um, the glue that is going to keep Microsoft in the gaming community as a hardcore pushing the boundaries type company. I know you might say, hey, no, 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 that's the consoles. Nope. The cash flow is going to be coming from Game Pass. And that is what's going to allow Phil Spencer and company to make those crazy investments to build things like the Series X. And so Game Pass is something everybody who loves gaming really needs to keep an eye on. Uh, Choker says, hi, Brad, hope you're doing well. Uh, so, so Seagate makes the additional one terabyte SSD. Do you think they'll be bringing a two terabyte or four terabyte version because the Series S 512 is going to fill up quickly? The problem here is going to be pricing. Could they do it? Absolutely. Will they do it? I think they will. When will they do it? Uh, it might be a little early now because you can imagine, like if you look and see a two terabyte version costing you know, ballparking somewhere in 350 bucks like that. That doesn't make it doesn't make sense to go buy a Series S and a $350 drive. Like it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, honestly, to go buy the Series S and even the one terabyte drive because then you're like pretty close into the Series X range. I know you technically have basically 1.3 gigs versus like 800 megs, I think, or 800 uh, gigs, which is which is what you get on the Series X after you account for the install. And so, but it definitely doesn't make sense to buy series s and a two terabyte drive at the pricing that would make sense today so i do think they will do it i just don't know exactly when and i think pricing is going to be very very key there do you know if an xbox one game key will work on the xbox series x or s it should uh, i believe it should yes uh, do you think microsoft is going to bring the xbox series x digital version it would not surprise me it would not surprise me that once they get through this initial hump if they do eventually come out with a digital version that is potentially like Here's kind of like the ace in the sleep. You know, this is theoretical. I don't have any inside information on this. Imagine that Microsoft sees that the PlayStation 5 is flowing, flying off the shelves, flung, flying off the shelves at the current price point. Microsoft could come out with a digital version of the Series X and match the price point and then have it all done. Um, I think it might be a little bit of a mistake if they do it too early because I personally would buy the digital version instead of the version with the drive, but here we are and uh, that's just the way it is. I could see them doing it, but I don't know if or when. Uh, do you know when xCloud is going to come to more countries, especially Luxembourg? Micro well, 2021, it's supposed to be when the expansion is, is starting to occur again, if I remember correctly. And so um, I don't know specifically about Luxembourg though. Uh, do you think Microsoft will bring Windows Phone Camera UI on the Duo? Maybe, probably not. Uh, for me, it was still the best UI on the camera app. I agree, the, the UI on the camera app uh, on Windows Phone was fantastic. The reason why I don't think that they're going to bring it there is that we would have already seen it in the launchers that Microsoft is already building for Android. And if they weren't building it already for that, I don't know why they would just suddenly do it for Duo. So there you go. And then it says, what is the deadline for post on a question on a podcast? I typically start recording around 9 a.m. Eastern time on Friday. So that's roughly the, the cutoff time. Uh, Stickin says, on the Xbox One X, was there, a certain, was there only a certain amount of TVs that were supported the Dolby Vision that the Xbox had? Unfortunately, I have a TV from LG that supports Dolby Vision, but not the Xbox's version. Um, and then he provides a link to Windows Central. So the link that you provided here, I looked at it right before the podcast, um, it's actually pretty old. Like that's, I think it's from 2018. So 
I'm if you have an LG TV, I'm making an assumption here. I'm assuming it's like a C8 or a C9. Um, I have a C9 and I know that it will support the Xbox Dolby Vision because it's HDMI 2.1. If I knew which LG version you had, I could tell you specifically. Um, but I believe HDMI 2.1 is the key feature you're looking for. But if it has Dolby Vision, which makes me think you have the C9, um, then it should work. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, Robert Duck says, uh, am I correct to say that game streaming will be used mainly on the road? Because at home, you can use another device best suited for the task. In this case, why is seemingly no one addressing the issue of limited data plans? So this is an interesting point. So he's talking about cloud streaming and where are people going to use it? So he says on the road. Um, I don't disagree with that, especially with like cloud gaming from Microsoft. I, I, I think that's more of the sweet spot right now. But if you look at a service like Luna, Luna is realistically designed to be used at the home. And I don't think it's fair to say that cloud gaming from Microsoft will never be used at home. Um, it might be a great way to sample games or just, you know, utilize it at home. But for me personally, like it would make more sense to use it on the road. And to your point of data caps, I think the reason why we don't hear too much about it is that it varies so widely across the planet that you could say, hey, look, uh, in Canada, they have three terabyte or three gig data caps for everybody. I'm, I'm making things up here. But in the US, it's five or in Europe, it's zero. There are no data caps. And so that is the challenge. Like it's a really personal thing in like my personal plan with Verizon. I can, you know, it can be elastic and scale up to anything I want for what I'm willing to pay. So it is a very valuable point that the data is going to be a, a challenge here. Um, but the problem is, is that it's so diverse in the ecosystem that making blanket statements is very, very difficult. Um, Finley, I dropped a question, which is good for a, the Petri podcast that I do on the enterprise side. Um, Finley, I'm going to bring that up with Aaron because we're doing that next week. And I think that's a good uh, question for him. Uh, Crespet says, hi, Brad, the new upcoming Xbox controllers for the Series XS are supposed to improve latency on the new consoles. Do you know if there will be any improvement to expect uh, to be playing games on xCloud with the new controller compared to the old ones? I don't think so. There's some qualifiers here. Um, because that that latency improvement, for my understanding, is it's not Bluetooth based, so that won't work with a a phone or if you're connecting to your PC via Bluetooth. It's only for if I'm again remembering correctly between the controller and the console itself. So you're not going to be playing more than likely you're not going to be playing cloud gaming on your console. I could see a scenario where you want to try out a game and game pass without downloading it. So potentially there in that limited scenario, it might work. But if you're playing it on your Android device, um, I'm not going to see too much. And honestly, if you're playing on your PC, just plug it in and use it wired. And that's the best case scenario you're going to get. And Mr. PKI rounding it up at the end of the week is the new Xbox Series S even have enough storage available to load more than one major game. Will Halo Infinite be able to fit on the Series S when it is released next holiday? Uh, well, we don't know how big big Infinite will be. I would say it would be it might be a challenge to get the Master Chief Collection and many other games on the console uh, with 380-ish uh, gigs of storage. There's not a lot. Like if I remember correctly, Warzone is somewhere around 100 gigs, so you're looking at like three Call of Duties potentially on there, something like that. Um, you're definitely not going to be loading this up with hundreds of games. And if you're using Game Pass, you're going to have to really be thinking about what games you need um, on the device because it, there's going to be some shuffling of bits between either a USB storage device that will allow you to quickly load them back and forth or downloading things again, which is not the optimal scenario. I think storage, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, is going to be the big challenge, um, not just on the Xbox, but on the PlayStation 2, because those games are getting large as well. Microsoft put a lot of effort into this thing with, with smart delivery and making sure that you only download the assets you need, especially on uh, the Series S, which will not download the 4K assets. It will download the 1080p. So 
keep all that in mind guys so with that being said i want to give a shout out to devolutions again you can find a link down below to learn more about their remote desktop manager and we'll catch all of you right back here next time